money. You can't really get through life without it. Some people use it to define success. Some people use it as the key to reach their goals. And some people use it to attain freedom. Whatever your motivation, you need to know how to earn it, how to use it and how to grow it. For years, women have been telling their beauty stories, their success stories, their health stories. Now, we want to talk to women about their money stories. Welcome to Tilly Money. Emma Kirk is a key account manager for Magellan Financial Group with over 25 years in the financial sector and one of the most recognisable faces in Australian finance. It's, it is trial and error and I, the problem you have is never starting or never trying mm. something. Today's episode is brought to you by our principal partner, Mortgage Choice. 2020 has been a challenging year, so Mortgage Choice and its national network of mortgage brokers are on a mission to help Australians restart their 2020. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or investment property or want to refinance an existing home loan to get a better deal, let a Mortgage Choice broker answer all your questions, show you what's available and do the legwork to help you restart 2020. Visit mortgagechoice.com.au or call 137762 to speak to your local broker. Emma, on behalf of Claire and myself, welcome to Tilly Money. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute Hi. pleasure to be here. Yeah, likewise. And we've known you for quite a few years, Emma, and we've enjoyed many chats and some good meals together. Yeah. And we've never really dug deeply, though, into you, your journey, you know, your experience in finance. And Tilly Money is all about learning from other women. So we really appreciate the time that you're giving us today. Claire's going to jump in and ask questions when you perhaps might say something because it's your lingo. Um, You know, Claire and I are going to have a debrief as well and see were there any other mysterious words that we can Mm -hmm. decipher. But Claire, you might like to kick off with all the nice stuff about who is Emma and where did she come from? Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. (laughs) Um, So just, yeah, to kick off, where Mm. did you grow up? So I actually grew up in central Queensland. Yeah. Um, I I was originally born in in Geelong in Victoria. My parents moved up to central Queensland and um, my mother and my father divorced and then my mother and my stepfather were financial planners. So I grew up in Rockhampton, Biloela and Gladstone Um, and I had a a great childhood. My parents were financial planners and funnily enough, that's kind of why I ended up in financial services was that they ran a, um, a practice called Retire Invest and they focused on retirees. And they used to run client seminars and educate people about their money and saving and, and making sure that they had a good retirement. And I used to go and hand out the sandwiches at, <laughs> at the events. And so from very early on, this kind of talk about money and how mm. it works and how it kind of came into my being. Mm. And also just people not knowing enough about it and so that was a really big eye-opener for me and so that's that's kind of where I grew up and kind of the foundation of why I'm really passionate about people learning about their money. Yeah. And being exposed to that at such a young age do you think gradually you would just became miles ahead of your peers around you? Oh I don't miles ahead is really hard because it's one of those things you'll and as we go through this discussion I think you know and as you talk to more and more people you'll find that we're all in a bit of the same boat we all think that we don't know that much about something when in actual fact we do. I definitely had an advantage. I very much, early in my life, I learned about compound interest and I learned about budgeting and the power of that. Doesn't mean I'm great at it, no. Um, But (laughs) I learned about it early, which is a good thing. Yeah. And and certainly um, what we'll talk about today, if we can touch on it, things like compound interest and, you know, budget, we all know what that means, but do we do it? But there's so much stuff here that we can can discuss and certainly we'd love to bring you back again because... Deciphering all the lingo, you know, you say to someone, interest, we know what that is, you know, you borrow money, you pay interest on it, but there's a magical thing that we know um, that really helps to grow your wealth over time and that's called compound interest. Yeah, that's actually the secret to all of it, compound interest. Oh, yes. That's it. If you take yeah. away nothing, that's it. That's exactly, exactly right. right. Well, yeah. maybe we just start there. Well, since you're, since you're here and you have such a wealth of knowledge, we, we did really want to dive into the basics of investing. Yep. Um, but I guess that's a great place to start. What is compound interest? Okay, so compound interest is um, it's where your money makes money. So um, 
every year you might invest an amount of money and you get 5% on top of it. So let's say it's $10,000, you earn 5%. At the end of the year, you've got $10,000 plus 5%. You leave it. It then earns another 5% and another 5%. And it's the visual I like to use is a bit like a hockey stick, kind of starts off really, really low. And then all of a sudden, once it compounds on top of itself, it kind of increases up. Kicks up. It kicks up, but you don't see it initially. Mm. It's kind of, it's invisible at the start and you're like, this is really boring. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting anywhere. But then it kicks in over time and it is literally all you have to do is get your calculator out and type mm. type that in, 10,000 plus 5% mm. what that equals and then add 5% and add 5% mm. and you'd be amazed mm. at how it grows over time. And that's the kind of rule behind what how superannuation works and I guess why people tend to tune out in that sense is they think, oh, this is just happening in the background, but they're not engaged with the, the results. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing is when we when we get further into this talk, I'm very happy to talk about superannuation as well because a number of people that talk to me about superannuation like it's an asset class mm-hmm. really worries me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think people should be more interested in their super. We should call it something different like mm-hmm. your retirement savings plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And people go, oh, Okay, so yeah, yeah, really happy to unpack that as well. Yeah, the money you'll have in retirement so you can lead a great lifestyle. It's just, it's for a lot of young people. And Claire, I know that since working here at Switzer generally and then specifically with Tilly Money, that everybody suddenly starts understanding things because you're exposed to it. Yeah. Um, And I remember when a couple of the team were were, um, editing one of Peter Switzer's books, you know, Join the Rich Club, and they were asked to have a look at it and do a final proof. And then everyone was stuck on this page about super because they actually said, and Peter said, it's your money. Mm, you know, be aware is. of it. You know, hands up if you've ever looked at your super statement, you know, and read it and see yeah. where your money's invested. Mm. And that's we're when... We're all like, oh. Yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I would walk over to the team and I'd see them all on page 42, mm. you know, and what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm actually just checking my super because I actually yeah. understand that this is money that's going to bring me a great lifestyle way down the track. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is we have this... We tend to put those things in the back of our mind. Mm. We're like, oh, it's, I'm not going to retire for a long mm. time. I don't yeah. need to worry about it. I'll look at tomorrow's it later. Problem. It is tomorrow's problem. But mm. if you are interested in it today mm. and if you can peel it back, and as we will talk about, it's actually not that difficult, you'll have this great understanding and you've got then got the power to make decisions about where your superannuation is invested. That's right. And that can have a massive impact on what your retirement looks like. That's right. And then going back, Emma, as well to what you said about compound interest, because it's there in the background, you forget about it and then that magic of compound interest, getting earning money on money, you know, is building it to something that will be as for many people, particularly a lot of younger people who have had the benefit of compulsory super, that in retirement, you know, there's going to be a nice nest egg there for a lot of people. There Mm. is. And I mean, I'm, you know, I was, I, in year 12, Mm. uh, super guarantee came in when I was in year 12 mm. and I did that as mm. an economics assignment in year 12. Mm. I was excited about mm. super in year 12. <laughs> the first person ever. Yes, yes. Mm. So, um, and that's it. It's almost like the government is taking that decision off our hands and going, guess what, we're going to put away, mm. you know, it started out very low, mm. uh, you know, going up to 12%, it's currently 9.5% mm. going up to 12%. They're forcing us to save. Mm. Yeah. And that's so we're not reliant on the pension when mm. we get to retirement. So it's in their interest <coughs> and in our interest. Well, it's yeah. so true, Emma, because the pension does re- not really allow you to live a lifestyle that you want to. But let's let's no. come back okay. to the present. Yes. yes. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry. And so, no, super such questions. a tangent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess, can you explain to us the basics of investing? Okay. So the way that I like to think about investing, and I'm going to use an analogy for this, it's a bit like um, health and fitness. So let's say uh, you wanted to get fit and healthy. Um, I read a great book, which is called Big Fat Myths, written by Reuben Meerman. And at the start of it, he said, I'm going to explain to you how fat leaves your body. And he's, mm. and, but he said, the, the, the one thing at the start, he said, I'm going to write a full book on about it, and you're going to read it, and you're going to buy the mm. book, and that's great. But there's only two things that you can do to lose weight and get fit. You can eat less, move mm. more. Mm. That's it. And the health and wellness industry has created mm. a plethora of diets mm. and exercise and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you know, we so all know that that's essential. what we've got to do. Yeah. And so investing is exactly the same. There's only two levers that you have available to you. You can either spend less or earn more. That's it. Now, the spending less comes back to your 
conversation about budgeting. So I learnt very early on that budgeting is a very powerful thing to do when looking at your cash flows. My husband laughs at my cash flow spreadsheets. Mm. I have been doing them forever, mm. but I love them. And, uh, you know, and you... You know, you've got different types of ways of budgeting. You've got bucketing. The way that I like to do it is I've basically got three buckets for my budget. The first is essential costs that I've got and they're fixed. So these are the things that I have to pay every month that are fixed in value. So that's my mortgage, um, my school fees, my car payment and things like that. They are the same. I can budget for them. I know what's coming. Mm. The next is essential, still essential, Um, expenses, but they're variable. So I've actually got some power over what I spend. And that can actually include your groceries, your electricity and your gas. You still need them, but you can choose how much you're going to spend on that. So I can change the the brand of goods that I buy and decrease my cost there. And then the third bucket that I use is discretionary. And that's really up to me as to what I want to spend on the other luxuries that I have in life. And they're my three buckets. Um, So that's the spending less side of it. The earning more... You've got two ways to earn more money. You can um, earn more in your job so you can get educated and progress your career, which is amazing, but you can also invest money and earn money, earn returns. Um, And so I want to focus on the earning more money. So the first thing you want to do is you've got to have some savings. So that spending Mm. less thing at the start comes into play. You want to have an initial amount that you can invest then from there, you've actually got a choice as to what you do with that. So and I'm going to use, once again, the health and wellness side of things to actually um, use an, an analogy for this. Mm. Um, so when it comes to investing, you have got some choices. You can choose different asset classes. And there's five broad categories of asset classes. So you've got cash at one end. The next one up the chain is fixed income, which is bonds. And I'm going to explain what that is. Great. In the middle, you've got property. Mm-hmm. And then at the next... We all know what that is. We all know what that is. That's yeah. very tangible. Yep. Yep. And then we've got Aussie shares and we've got, um, we call them global shares or global mm-hmm. equities, but you could also call them international shares. So you kind of got those five broad categories. Yeah. Let's start with cash. Mm. So cash is you putting your money in the bank. Yep. You're going to earn a rate of interest on that. Not much. What's the mm. rate at the moment? Mm. 1.5. Yeah. yeah, I look at the term deposits yesterday and mm. they range from 1 to 1. 1.5. Yeah. If you've just got sitting in your everyday bank account, it's like... 0.2%. And cash is great. It's safe. It's secure. It's there Mm -hmm. when you need it. But it's a bit like the walking of the exercises that you're going to do. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be moving. You're going to be getting a little bit of return, but you're not out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You're actually not going to move any weight Mm -hmm. on your body. Mm -hmm. And in actual fact, you're not going to keep up with inflation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the analogy I like to use for inflation is that's the the weight gain you get every year as you get older. That just kind of that. It just creeps in and you've got to work a little bit harder to get above it. Um, And so that's what cash is. So great, secure. Um, The next one along the line is fixed income. So fixed income sounds funny, but it's essentially bonds. And when people hear the word bonds, they're like, "Mm, I don't know what that is. That's essentially you lending your money to someone else. So let's say I I lent the money to you, Claire. Mm. You say, I want to borrow some money off of you. And in return for that, you're going to pay me interest. And you're going to pay me interest in fixed instalments over a period of time. Um, That money's not guaranteed. The value of that underlying money can actually change depending on interest rates and the movements in those. But it's reasonably secure and isn't going to move too much because it is linked to interest rates. So you're going to get regular income, probably more than you get in a term deposit. Mm. Um, and so it's a bit like a slow jog, mm. you know, be moving a little bit faster, <laughs> yeah. mm. a little Flying bit more out of your comfort zone. And yet yeah. it might not be the worth, worth the same at the end mm. of that. Yeah. The next one's property. So property is, we all understand this, mm. tangible. Mm. We can see it, touch mm. it, feel it. At the moment we're sitting in an office at the moment, this is commercial property that we're sitting in. Yeah. Um, and you've got everything in property from investment property. So some people, it's the Australian dream is to mm. own an investment property. Mm. I own one. So yeah. I'm going to tell you my horror story, my, my lovely stories, but my horror stories of property. Mm. Um, well, at this point, Emma, I'd like to say that Claire is now a property owner. <gasps> yeah, yeah, I just bought one. Fantastic. Mm. Well yeah. done. Mm. And so it's a good, it's a good first step. Mm. And so you can touch it, you can see it. Yeah. Um, you've got investment property, so that's residential. You've mm. got retail, so you can buy um, shops, yep. uh, commercial, which is 
the building that we're sitting at the moment, you've also got industrial. Mm -hmm. So you've got a range of different property types that you can actually invest in. And where you get your return from them is from the rent that get, gets paid. So yeah. you get rent from your tenant mm -hmm. and that's your income. And also, hopefully, the value of the property goes up. So once again, your return is income plus some capital growth. Mm -hmm. Those first two I mentioned, cash mm -hmm. and fixed income, it's just income. You're not going to get any capital growth, maybe a little bit in fixed income, but depending on what interest rates do. So yeah. that, this is like the the running of the mm. exercise world. Mm. You're moving a bit faster, but you're mm. out of your comfort zone. Mm. There'll be times when you're out of breath. There'll mm. be times where, like at the moment, mm. um, my property's untenanted. Mm. And mm. so I've got to come up with the, the mortgage payments for mm. that without any rent coming in. Mm. So that comfort zone is like, mm. hmm, mm. how's my sleep test going? Yeah. yeah. And I've got to... There's risk there, Emma. There is. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the way that I like to think about it is that as we move further up the return mm. spectrum, the risk increases. And you can equate risk to comfort, mm. sleep mm. level, mm. ups and downs. But mm. it's a, it's that uneasy feeling you get yeah. in the pit of your mm. stomach. Mm. So, but people, Aussies in particular, yeah. I guess people generally, we love property. We love it. Mm. We love it. And it's mm. tangible. You can add value to property. Mm. You can... Do a renovation mm. and improve the value of it. And that's that's in your control. Yeah. Now, mm. to a certain extent, you know, you are also um, at the mercy of the market. If the property mm. next to you sells for less and that person's got to get out, that kind of mm. sets a level mm. for what your property might be worth. And particularly mm. if you buy into large apartment buildings, mm. your property's worth what the last person sold theirs yeah. for, if they're mm. like for like. If it's unique, mm. something a bit different, mm. um, then yeah, it could be worth more. Mm. So, And then there's risky things like buying off the plan that you wouldn't yeah. do without proper advice, yeah. you know, really solid advice. But people unfortunately do it, but they're, that's that's risky. It, it is. can be risky. It can be. It can mm. be risky. So, and that you've just got to be comfortable. Do your mm. homework. Mm. Make sure that you're comfortable with the risks. It's the sleep test. What if it? What if it is untenanted for mm. six months? Mm. Can I make the mortgage payments and things like that? Mm. So, really important. But you know, better than cash. Better mm. than fixed income. Mm. Absolutely. The next two, which is Aussie equities and global equities, are my most favourite. Yeah. And the reason mm. why they're my mm. favourite is because let's say you buy Aussie shares. Aussie shares, you are the owner mm. of a company. Mm. Um, and this is the thing that I want your listeners to walk away with is that mm. the moment that you buy shares in a company, so let's say you decide that you want to buy an individual stock, yes. you're an owner of that company. Mm. And what happens is those companies give you a return of, they give you a share of their profits. Mm. So if they're doing a really good job, mm. they're going to pay you a dividend, mm. which is your share of the profits. Yep. And if they keep doing a good job, mm. the share price is going to increase. So the capital growth is going to, to increase over time. Mm. Um, and so um, I always like to think back to Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch was a fund manager back in the 80s and 90s. He ran a, a fund, the Fidelity Magellan Fund, mm. um, funnily enough. Um, and he's got these great books, which is One Up on Wall Street and Learn to Earn. Mm. And those books are great because he kind of says, think about the brands that you buy. Think about where you shop, what you consume. Wouldn't you want to be an owner of those companies that you're using? You're actually happy to give them your money. Yeah. Happy to say, hey, I'm going to buy your products and services. Mm. Why wouldn't you want to own them? Mm. And so that's the way I always like to think about shares is that it's, yes, you've got the full plethora of different types of companies that are on the stock market. But as an owner of a company, you're entitled to receive income from that company. And also if they do a really good job... Um, and the analogy I like to use there is if they're really good at it, they're going, they are going to mm. earn more and mm. spend less. Mm. So that, that analogy comes into play again with these different companies. So Aussie shares are ones that are listed on the Australian um, Stock Exchange mm -hmm. and you can buy them here and you've got, we've got some great companies oh, here yeah. in Australia. Mm. Um, we are dominated though by banks mm. so and by resources companies because mm. that's what our our country produces, but we are starting to get with a little bit more tech and a little bit more consumer coming through. It's still great. Still, well, I, I think that even a company that many of our listeners would know is Afterpay, and mm. they look like they're going to sneak into our top um, yeah. company, one of our be one of our top companies. And so that we, you're right, we have got the banks and we've got the telcos and the BHP and the miners, but this new world of technology is also pushing these companies to the forefront as well. It mm. is. When you think about it, Afterpay is, you know, they started off just being online and mm. then all of a sudden they moved to being inside 
stores mm. and the next generation of shoppers have mm. gone, this is great. Yeah. I can cut my pay- – comes back to budgeting. Yeah. Cut my payments That's in right. four. Mm. I'm not getting into debt. I don't mm. have a credit card. Mm. The millennials love it. Yeah, I can buy now and pay later because yeah. that's what they're called, aren't they? Yep. BNPLs. Yeah. 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 Mm. And so that's the thing is if you think it's a good investment, and this is where it comes back to you've got to do your own research on this, you've got to look at what they're doing and, and what they're planning to do in the future. Um, but, yeah, you can be an owner of those those companies. And you might only own a couple of bricks, but they're a couple of bricks. Yep. Yeah. Exactly, they're yours. <laughs> and particularly if they're companies that you see around you, you know, it might be a bank like a... Combank or a NAB or, yeah. or an ANZ or it might be a Zipco or an Afterpay, but you can see them there around you. It's yeah. not something that's hidden hidden from you. Yeah. yeah, and you get to go to the annual general meeting. You yeah. actually get to turn up as mm. an owner of the company, invited to the AGM, mm. turn up, find out what they've been doing. It's yeah. great. Yeah, Emma, you mentioned a couple of books, one up on Wall Street and Learn to Earn. Yeah. I think it was. At what stage would someone listening? Because I'm, you know, I'm, mm. someone mentions a book, you know, and they say, oh, "I love that book," and mm. you know, I learned so much or it changed my life, and I write it down and buy it. But someone listening to that, would they need to know a lot more before they started that book, or would that no. be just a good book? It's to a kick good, off. Yeah, mm. Peter Lynch's books are great because he talks. Like we're talking mm, now, yeah. he'll say to you, you know, if you're going to buy a pair of Nikes and mm. you love Nikes, mm. why wouldn't you invest in them? And he's like, mm. he's like, walk down when he back in the mm. 80s and 90s when retail was still alive. Mm. He's like, walk down, walk down the shopping mall. Yeah. Where yeah. are people buying stuff? Okay. What are they buying? Mm. What are they attracted to? Yep. Yep. And, you know, he said more often than not, the information is actually right in front of you. Yes. You just need to look at what what the herd's doing yeah. to yes. a certain yes. extent. Yeah. Um, and you do have to do more research into it than that. But that's so a good it's like, Emma, what are they eating? Mm. You know, what are they wearing? You know, what are they listening to? And behind that is a company. Yeah. And that's potentially a company that if you did all the research and you took the risk and whatever, you could own part of that because yeah. that could be a successful growth story. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. And it does come back to, you know, there are risks associated with that. So one of the key things that we do at Magellan is that when we look at a company, we not only look at their financials and what they're doing, but we look at the risks that might impact them. So we look at what's called agency risk. And agency risk is the risk that the management do the wrong thing. So, And the history of that word agency risk, just a little bit of a sideway, mm. is that um, you're the owner of shares in a company. Yeah. Claire, you're the owner of that. And you've actually given um, uh, the, uh, the actual management of that company are your agents. So they're acting on your behalf to do the right thing by you as an owner of that company. Mm. And so agency risk relates to them as your agent doing the wrong thing. So we look at agency risk and that's the risk of management doing the wrong thing with the free cash flows. We also look at external risks, so as in US-China trade tensions, um, is there any geopolitical issues? Is there something maybe called the coronavirus that mm. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> could have forced us? Yeah. Um, so we not only look at that, it's not just enough to go, oh, I, I buy their products and that's amazing. It is going, well, how are these people managing my money, my ownership of this company? And what are they, what are they doing in terms of reinvesting those profits to grow the company over time? Yeah. So, um, so that's Aussie shares. Mm. Yeah, just... Quickly as well, while we're on the Australian stocks, mm. I just wanted to clarify those companies that dominate the Australian mm. stock market, like the banks and the resources, is that what you call a blue chip stock? Yeah, essentially, sorry, when we look at blue chips, they tend to be those large um, companies that um, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got speculative stocks, which mm. are quite small and they're called speckies. Mm. Um, and they might be, you know, the one cent kind of resource stock mm. that's hoping to find gold or iron ore or something like that. Your blue chips have got established businesses with a track record and you right. can actually see their financials over time and what they're going to do. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Great. And most of them pay what you were saying before, Emma, that there's two things. You can get some growth in value of that stock but you also get a dividend and a lot of the blue chip companies are dividends where the speckies, yeah. they want every cent they can get to do research or yeah. exploration and Correct. so they don't – and they're risky. They are risky. You, you Basically, you're putting money in and uh, that's like a, a hope and a prayer. It's yeah, like, right. oh, I hope mm, they find mm, gold. Mm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> if they don't, I've just given them my money. So, <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, that's the thing is you've got – you know, this is the beautiful thing about things that are listed mm. on an exchange – you, if you that 
fits in with your comfort level, mm. then you can go and go and buy those particular stocks. If it doesn't, you can stay in a safe area of the market. And when we when we get to diversification, we talk about that. Mm. You can even diversify in the types of stocks that you buy. You might want one that's going to give you amazing um, stability, but you also can go, I've got something over here that I just want to play with mm. and I'm happy. If I lose that money, then... I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's my little play money, and I'm gonna. It's a bit speculative. So but you're you spreading can, the risk. You're spreading the risk. Yeah. Okay. Emma, I've got a question for you. Sorry yes. about jumping no, no. in there. <laughs> but do you remember the first stock you bought? Well, funnily enough, I have only ever owned managed funds. Ah, <laughs> ah well, this is going. Now, at this point, we'll ring a bell. You're going to jump in, Claire. What's a managed fund? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so. Um, if I'm going to do a little bit of a history lesson for you, um, and the most interesting, th- and I find it interesting, other people may not, um, one of the early ways that people were could invest, it was very difficult to raise enough money to just say buy one share or get any kind of um, accumulation of money to invest. So what people did originally was they pooled their money. And these were the original mutual funds, pooled funds or unit trusts. And so what happened with people would pool their money and they could then buy an asset. And then they would share. So the returns that they got, they would divvy that up and share it amongst themselves. Yeah. And so mutual funds have been going since the 1800s. I think the Dutch were the first to start yeah. mutual funds and they've evolved over time, but not that much. Right. Um, and so... Essentially, managed funds are unit trusts. They're a pooled fund. People put in their money into a pot, as it were, and you've got a fund manager who selects where that money is invested. Um, And they'll go and buy different assets and they may be uh, listed on a stock exchange or they might be real assets, but they're in a pot. And you, as a unit holder, have got a unit in that unit trust. Mm -hmm. And based on the number of units that you've got, you'll get a return. You'll get a return in terms of the income that you receive off of those pooled assets mm-hmm. and also the collective growth of those assets. Um, so it's just a, a pooled unit trust. You own units in it. Um, and once again, it's a different way to get diversification as opposed to buying one stock. Yeah. I'm buying into a unit trust that, say with Magellan, we have 20 to 40 stocks in our mm-hmm. portfolio. I'm getting access to 20 to 40 amazing companies in one unit. Right. And because it's called a managed fund, then obviously somebody like Magellan yeah. looks after that Correct. on behalf of the unit holders. Yeah, mm. and so what you're doing is you're paying that portfolio manager or yep. that fund manager to go and do the research into those mm. stocks. So they go and do deep research mm. into the financials on those particular companies, mm. project forward their free, with us, we look at their free cash flows. That's what's, how much money have they got left at the end of the mm-hmm. uh, year after they've paid all their bills. Mm-hmm. What's that worth in today's money? And what are the growth prospects for these companies? What are the what are the things that are going to push those companies along? And then also looking at those risks, what are the things that might stop them from getting there? And it's kind of, it's what I'm hearing as well from you, Emma, it's the kind of research, it's so detailed yeah. that an individual, and individuals do trade yeah. stocks without being in managed funds, but it would take a lot of time to do that research so, and a lot of money yeah. to get access to it. It's a lot of time. And that's the thing is that's why managed funds are just such a, a great way. And so my first investment when I was 18, I bought into a managed fund. Mm. Wow. I put in $1,000. Uh, I inherited some money from my mm. great aunt and mm. I um, did some, I think I worked from the age of mm. 14 years and nine months, mm. loved, loved earning money. Mm. And I put in $1,000 and then I put in $100 every month. And as wow. I earned more, went to $200 a month, mm. $500 a month. Um and I did it, and then I got in some. I, I have to admit that I bought a technology fund just in the 1990s. Mm. But tech, there was a tech bubble. Yes. Um, yeah. And when that went down. Do, what was it? The, the, do, the dot com bust. bust. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But when it went down, I was still mm. dollar cost averaging in. Mm. So I was buying more and more units. Mm. Tell us about that. What there you go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it's so there's two words that you can use. One is a. A regular savings plan is probably mm-hmm. a better way to think of it okay. or another terminology is dollar cost averaging. And what that is is it means that you do a regular savings plan on a monthly or a quarterly basis and you actually buy more units or buy mm. more shares over that time frame. And the beautiful thing about that is that um, if the share price is going up, you're going to buy less units, but if the share price is going down or unit price is going down, you're going to buy more units. Mm-hmm. And so I always had these things that when the market was going down, I was high-fiving myself going, mm. great, my mm. regular savings plan mm. is just going in and buying more units. And mm. then what happens is when, when normality returns and the returns start 
you've got more units. Mm. And so they're going to kick up. And so you get that beautiful combination of regular savings plan plus compound interest mm. and it's an absolute kicker. Mm. Um, and if you've got time on your hands, which you do, um, <laughs> you just leave it alone. Just let it do its thing. Just let it accumulate over time. Mm, and yeah. before you know it, so I ended up, you know, I think after a decade it was over six figures mm. and that was and I didn't miss the money mm. didn't yeah, miss it that's mm. the thing about gradually mm. just tipping it in the little excess yeah because like, yeah. Emma with say dollar cost averaging again so you might be very excited and you go and buy let's say some Woolworth shares yeah. and they might on a particular day cost you I'm making up figures okay ten dollars yeah. yep. okay a share and then all of a sudden you see them go down. You think, oh, I'm never going to buy any more shares because <laughs> I just paid $10 for that share and now it's gone to $8. Yeah. Well, what smart people do if they've got the cash and they've done the budgeting and they've yes. got savings and all of that is they say, okay, well, Woolworths is a really good share. For some reason, maybe the price has you know, gone down, not because it's a poor company or whatever, but it's just external factors. It's now $8. So if I go and buy some more Woolly shares... And then I put them all together. I've actually probably paid nine dollars. Yes. You know, I've I've actually brought down the average cost of those shares that I own. And yeah. that's smart players do that kind of thing. They do. Yeah. They and do. It's called buy the dips. Buy the dips and yeah. sell the highs. It's it's yeah. hard. And the thing is, though, it is hard. Market timing is really hard. Mm. And that's why if you just have a regular savings plan, that's mm. on the fifteenth of the month or the first mm. of every month, you're not going to be there analysing, going, is it is yeah. the market up? Is it down? Yeah. Riding the roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just set and forget to yeah. a certain extent. Just yeah. pop it in and make sure that you are invested in what you want to be in. But that that power of buying regularly mm. will mean that your average unit price goes down. And yeah. also it helps with your cash flow. You don't mm. have to come up with $100,000 on day one. You can grow it over time. Mm. just gives you so many more options. Yeah. And so, so now you're actually specialising in global equities. Yeah, so global equities. Um, so I work for a company called Magellan. We specialise in global equities and global listed infrastructure. Um, and what we do is we scour the world for the world's best companies and I always love this we talk about them being wonderful companies that do their job and so going back to what I said earlier we want to go and find the ones that are the best in the world that are growing and they've got a competitive sustainable advantage and what we look for when I'm saying competitive competitive sustainable advantage what I'm looking for or what we're looking for is kind of four key things and you this can apply to any Aussie shares um, and also global shares. But what we're looking for are those companies that have got, say, high switching costs. Mm. Um, and that's not necessarily a monetary cost. It might be an opportunity cost. So a really good example of that is something like uh, Microsoft. So we all use Office 365. We always all use Word, mm. Excel, mm -hmm. PowerPoint. If you decided that you wanted to use a different program and then send your particular document to another user, mm. they wouldn't be able to open it because mm. they don't have Word. Um, and so there's an opportunity cost in using a different program rather than new Microsoft. So there's a high switching cost to go and use something else. Yeah. Um, Apple's a good example of that. You know, once we're all locked in, I've got my, my Apple Watch on <laughs> yeah, and my two yeah. Apple phones, mm -hmm. my iPad oh, and everything else. trap you. Mm -hmm. I'm trapped. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lovingly trapped. Lovingly trapped. <laughs> I'm lovingly trapped. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So that's one of the things. So high switching costs. So that means that users aren't going to go anywhere. Another one that we look at that is really interesting is economies of scale. Mm -hmm. And economies of scale is where it doesn't, cost the company anymore to bring on more users and a good example of that is Alphabet which is the owner of Google mm -hmm. and YouTube it doesn't cost them anymore if they have two million users versus one million users it's no additional cost for those million users to be on there and so um, economies of scale is really important mm -hmm. kind of like your costs are set but your revenues can grow over time mm -hmm. another thing that we look for is strong brands so that comes back to the Peter Lynch you know, kind of story of what are people buying? Mm. What are the brands that people gravitate mm. to? You know, you look at what's happened during the coronavirus. Mm. We've all gone and bought, you know, athleisure wear. Mm. You know, <laughs> Nike sales have yeah. been off the chart. Mm. Yeah. Um, skincare, funnily mm. enough, people mm. have stopped buying makeup, yeah. but we've all turned to buying sanitizers and then yeah. cream to help re rehydrate skin. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So those strong brands kind of make it through through life, and companies can pivot their brands as well. They don't have to just be a one-trick pony. Um, and then the other one that we look for is network effects. Mm -hmm. And network effects means that the network is more valuable um, the more users that come into that particular network. So a good example of that is Visa 
or MasterCard. So uh, you've got two types of network effects. You've got the consumers on one side and then you've also got the merchants on the other. The more merchants that accept a visa, the more consumers are likely to use it. Mm-hmm. The more consumers that use it, the more merchants are likely to actually have it. Whereas if mm. I came up with my own credit card and said, oh, I'm going to bring out the Emma credit card, mm-hmm. no one's going, no merchants are going to accept it and no mm. consumers are going to, mm. going to accept we it. We will, so, Emma. We yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'm yeah. that great. But so they're the, they're the kind of the four things we look for. And then we look at those companies and we go, what are their free cash flows? Mm. And that is coming back to that, how are they growing their business mm. And how are they spending less? And that means that they can compound over time. So free cash flows, really important in a business. So go back, Claire. I know you're urging to say <laughs> free cash flows. It's a really, yeah. it's one of those names. It just really means they're not in debt. They've actually got money if they want to grow or they want to acquire a business. Yes. With, with yeah. That so it's 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 a little bit more than profit. So you might look at a company and go, are they profitable? Mm. So your profit is, you know, what's your what's your revenue less your expenses? So you're profitable. But free cash flow is just one step above oh, that. It's right. like how much, coming back to looking at you personally, let's, yeah. let's look at your, your budgeting at the end of the financial year and you're like, I've earned this much and I've spent this much, but how much is in my bank? Yeah. Mm. How much have I actually mm. got to invest yeah. and actually grow my savings? It's the or same for Or even whether through a bad period without having to borrow or yes. you might not be able to borrow. But if you've got a stack of free cash flow there, it means you might be able to last 12 months. And exactly. Yeah, it keeps is, you alive. It does. Mm-hmm. Is that what they mean when they say liquidity? Um, liquidity can be used in a number of different ways. Liquidity um, can be used in relation to stocks to have a look at how many people are buying and trading a particular stock. That generally tends to relate to the amount of free stock in the market. Not so much. Liquidity is in a term that's generally used in relation to cash flow. Cash flow. So when you think about companies, think about, almost think about them like as an entity, as a Mm. human being themselves. How good at that are they at managing their own money? Yeah. How good are they at reinvesting it and saving it and putting it away for when they need it? Because if they've got that cash, they can do a number of things with it. They can give it back to you as an income. They can reinvest it and actually Mm. grow their business. Mm. They can also buy back their shares. So that's Mm. the other thing that a lot of global companies do. Um, So coming back to your question about dividends and capital growth. So dividends are very uniquely Australian. Australian companies will pay you an income. Global equity companies more than likely won't give you a dividend. They'll actually do what are called share buybacks. So they'll use some of that free cash flow, buy back some of their shares, which increases their share price. Mm. So you actually get more capital growth than income from global equity stocks. Mm. So when people think about their returns, you need to think about the total return that you're getting. Part of it will be income, part of it will be capital growth. Um, some people just love the income side of it, but I'm like, you're ignoring the capital growth. Yeah. Think that through. Long term kind of. So, yeah, so global equities. I guess, Emma, it depends what stage of life because some, does. sometimes for people who are older, they may need the dividends kind yeah. of income to live off, whereas a younger person might say, I'm all about growth, you know, yeah. I want to put my money, I don't need that that money, I'll just spend it, you know, I'm wasted yeah. or whatever, but let it just grow there for me and I'll get the big capital gain. Yeah, Yeah, and that's it. You've got to find what sits comfortably with Mm. you and what fits in with your lifestyle. But I'm always trying to educate people. I'm like, look at your total return Mm. because if you don't actually earn enough, the the difference of even having a 1% or 2% return compounded over years and years can make a massive difference in your wealth. Mm. So if you sit in that comfort zone of I'm just going to be in cash and fixed income and I'm just going to get income – you won't get ahead as far as somebody who goes, I'm going to move a little bit further up mm. the risk scale, knowing that I've got a longer time frame and I can, you know, weather the roller coaster that comes with that, yeah. you'll end up way better off. And it comes back to, you know, Maureen, I know that you're hopefully the large amount of audience for this is women. Mm. We have we have breaks in our career. Mm. We have time off. Yes. And that kind of sets us back a little oh, bit. It does. Absolutely. So we actually have to save mm. a lot more. Mm. To, um, to to get to the same point in retirement as mm. a man. And it's not right or wrong. It's just, it's just the way it is. The way it is. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, having moving a little bit further up that risk mm. spectrum to get into mm. Aussie shares and global shares mm. can make a massive difference over the long term. But you've just got a, that comfort zone yeah. of going, oh, the market's gone down. Yeah. Am I okay with it? And it's like, no, no, that's right. Mm. The, you know, Maureen, Claire and Emma said just think long term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's think all about term. the long term. Yeah. 
But also, Claire, did you notice that, um, and I'm counting, that Emma snuck in that word compound, compound, compound. Yes. compound. She keeps on doing like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, uh, it comes back to that, uh, that health and wellness analogy. Um, you know, if you start a diet or you start an mm. exercise regime, how long does it take to see the results? Mm. It takes a while. Yeah. And we kind of lose a bit of interest. Mm. True. Somebody mm. offers you some chocolate cake, you're like, oh, yes, mm. I'm straight into it and mm. I'm guilty of that. Mm. Money's exactly the same. Yeah. It takes time mm. you're not going to lose all that weight in a week mm. you're going to lose it over a year yeah, and in summer bodies they don't just <laughs> they start a and so your retirement money mm. starts in your 20s mm. and that's the way i want your your listeners mm. to think mm. about it mm. um starting early is amazing but not starting at all mm. is the worst thing you can possibly do mm, yeah, so and some people go i'm going to wait till i've got all the information mm. till i know everything mm. that's like researching every diet and exercise mm. regime and going i'm going to wait until I find the perfect one before I start. Yeah. Well, you'll never start. You'll never start. Mm-hmm. Just It'll start. as you go a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you do. And yeah. that's why your Comsec account is great. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what have you learned whilst since opening that oh, account? God. Um, and it doesn't even matter, Claire. Yeah. Sorry, no, it doesn't even, <laughs> it doesn't even matter doesn't. if your learning is that I lost it all. Yeah. You know, well, maybe mm. that doesn't mean that you should stay away. Mm. Maybe you've just got to go in and say, well, I lost it all because... I didn't do things correctly yeah. or maybe I didn't ask for advice or I didn't read enough. But yeah. um, have you lost it all? No, no, it's still there. But <laughs> yeah, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm mm. still at um, a beginner stage. So I guess it, it's more my biggest learnings have been just around the mindset. Yeah, okay. Of, um, I, I always forget that it, I have it there and that it's yeah. an asset and it's something that is, you know, accruing. And, yeah, I, I just think it's it's more a learning around the whole world of investing more than yeah. just I haven't really had any key learnings yet from those one stocks or purchases or yeah. or things it's been a, a sh- pretty short term um, situation are you going are you going to go to an AGM yeah <laughs> I actually am yeah I really well, I need to we'll do a whole podcast about it yeah what oh you learned at the AGM it'd be interesting yeah, yeah. I think it's good I mean I know when we have our AGMs um oh AGM Oh, 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 annual general meeting. <laughs> mm, I'm yes. sorry. So mm. annual general meeting. So as the owner of a company, mm-hmm. uh, when you own shares in a company, you get invited to come along to the annual general meeting and actually hear what the management of the company have been doing with your money. Mm. Um, so once again, your money, get interested, uh, get along. And so you'll find they'll they'll put up their financial information, which possibly can put you to sleep, but they'll also talk about their strategy and what they're actually going to do going forward. Um, and the other thing is, you know, you can get a sense of who these people are. Yeah. Do they resonate with you? Do you like them? Do they mm. look like they know what they're doing? Yeah. Um, and you can talk to other investors. You're kind of in a club. Yeah, mm. true. You're in a club. You may as well be involved. Yeah, mm. exactly. I've got to ask you a question right now. Yeah, I know you have a, a daughter. Yes. And is she as keen as you were? Um, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing um, I'm doing a terrible experiment on my daughter this mm-hmm. week. So I'm reading a book at the moment by Richard Thaler, mm-hmm. which is a book called Nudge. Nudge. Um, okay. And the reason why I'm reading it is that when COVID hit. I got I did a I did a online Yale course. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden I did mm. what everybody did when the coronavirus hit was like I'm gonna like, do some online learning. Mm, yeah. And so this Yale course came up through an app called Coursera. And it was free. And the course, Yale was a course Coursera is the app Mm -hmm. and the Yale course is the science of well-being Mm. and it's an eight-week program. I have to admit I'm only four weeks into it. Mm. But the interesting thing that I got out of it was that um, even though we know what to do and gathering information is really important, we actually as human beings tend not to do it. Mm -hmm. So we know how to be fit and healthy. Mm. We don't tend to do it. We know Mm. save money, don't Mm. tend to do it. Mm. And so I've been learning some great stuff out of it. She referenced um, the the, uh, Laurie, who is the um, lecturer for this this, uh, course, the AL course, mentioned Richard Thaler. And Mm. I was like, oh, interesting. And so he's in, he won a a Nobel Prize for behavioural economics. Mm. And he talks her, it's a great book for your listeners to listen to, because it's, it's about unpacking yourself and why you basically sabotage yourself and why we tend to act in certain ways. We think we're really rational, but we're actually Mm. super irrational. Mm -hmm. And um, the biggest thing that I'm reading at the moment is about loss aversion. So people would, we don't want to lose money. Mm. So Mm. you can have the opportunity to gain $100 Mm. or lose $100. 
people go, I, I don't want to lose. Mm. I don't want to lose a yeah. hundred dollars. Mm. So I'm my terrible experiment mm. that I'm doing on my daughter this week is that I've given her some tasks to do. Mm. So just this week, she's on holidays. I'm going to get her to do some good 20 minutes of guitar a day and a bit of learning. And so at the end of it, I said, if you do these tasks, I'm going to give you some money into mm. your Spriggy account. Mm. Um, Spriggy account. Spriggy mm. account. It's a mm. it's a debit card for kids, mm-hmm. and you can link jobs to it and actually transfer <gasps> money to them. Mm. They've got their own debit card. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it's amazing. <laughs> I want to teach her about it. But if she doesn't do the tasks, I'm going to give the money to her best friend. Oh, oh. she'll do them. Yeah. She'll do them. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And so mm. this is the biggest thing is that we have this thing where like, oh, if I can do something yeah. and get some, you know, mm. I'm going to do these tasks and get some money. Mm. Your effort's kind of okay. Mm. But at the thought of losing something, your mm. your motivation goes yeah. up. Yeah. Wow. And mm. I used to, when I was, years ago when I was doing um, strength training, I had a personal trainer. Mm. And the way to get me motivated was that he said, we're going to write out a cheque for $1,000 to a charity. Mm. Yeah. And if you don't do the exercises, we're going to give that cheque to the charity. Oh, yeah, so loss aversion is an yeah. amazing thing mm, yeah. to, to get us moving. And so I I educate my daughter about mm. investments. Whenever we go out, she loves Starbucks. Mm. And at Magellan, we invest in Starbucks. Yeah. And so when we go, I'm like, an owner of yes. Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I educate that about that. We also um, mm. uh, own Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy. Mm. So I say to her, as opposed to buying a Louis Vuitton handbag, mm. you're an owner of Louis Vuitton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I don't, I'm not sure her passion will come through. I think she finds my methodologies very boring, but I'm hoping yeah. that, you know, when she's a little bit older, something yeah. clicks and she goes, oh, yeah, it will. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. great. I'm really glad you tortured me yeah. as a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, oh. Claire, the only other thing that I'd like to let you know is that um, coming back to how you know we talked about these different asset classes and managed funds there's been an amazing revolution in the last five years it has made it even easier for people to invest their money so mm-hmm. traditional managed funds or unit trust you, you used to have to fill in an application form and send in a check in order to do that you can now buy those exact same managed funds on the stock exchange. Mm. And so through your Comsec account, you can buy an active exchange traded fund, mm. which stands for ETF, mm-hmm. or a passive um, ETF. And a passive ETF is one that tracks mm. an index. Mm. An active one is where you've got a portfolio manager who actually right picks in the stocks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I said to you, I invested in managed funds. Yes. Um, in today's world, 2020, mm. I would be buying that managed fund mm. on the ASX on my Comsec account mm. and getting access to these amazing fund managers, mm. whether they're index or passive, doesn't matter. Mm. just gives you that diversification yeah. um, and access to companies that you may not be able to access um, in Australia, mm. but on the ASX. And so when you talk about diversification as well, is that kind of a, a method of protecting your money? Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's the whole body workout. <laughs> it's getting a bit of everything. Um, it is the way the way that we like to think about it at Magellan is diversification is important um, so that you haven't got all your eggs in one basket, but you don't want to over diversify. So the way that we think about it is we think about it like a football team. You've got 20 spots on that football team and which players are you going to choose to play different roles in that team? You want some that are defensive so that if something happens in the market – You've got those defensive players there that aren't going to be too too hit by it. Mm. But you want those offensive or growth players that are going to do their job. But if you've got 20 spots, you're going to be really focused about what you invest in. You're not just going to leave it to chance. And so I think diversification is important to a point. Yeah. And then focus on what role do each of these assets play in my portfolio. Mm. And, you know, if you've got an investment property, you might find at the moment that, you know, 90% of your wealth is in that investment mm. property yeah. and you're dependent on the rental income for that. But over time, you might be able to diversify and go add some Aussie shares mm. and add some global shares. And so the idea is if they're not highly correlated, i.e. moving the same way at the same time, yeah. um, if one's up and another one's down, it's not going to hurt you too much. So okay. diversification very important. Um, and it, that's pr- it protects you because I would, and perhaps you'll agree with, with, um, with this, Emma, is that... We can have crashes in different markets. Yeah. You know, at the moment, you know, we've all seen with coronavirus, you know, that the market has just been, you know, wobbly and volatile yeah. and up one day, down the next. Property market, while it's not as buoyant as it could be, it's not, you know, not as bad in terms of the highs and lows of what the, the stock market's going through. But imagine if you just had every dollar that you owned at the moment in the stock market. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then you saw property prices going up and you'd think, oh, God, I'm losing all this money in the stock market. And while the property prices are soaring or, oh, good, look how good bonds are doing or, yeah. or whatever. Or I wouldn't have a headache at all if I had some money in cash in the bank too. So you're basically just spreading yourself across a whole lot of different classes of yep. assets and it just helps spread the risk because yeah. only in really, really bad times are all markets affected. Yeah. 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 The one thing I found that was really interesting, so um, when coronavirus hit, um, I if you ring Magellan, um, you'll get me. You'll get me or one of my, my colleagues. Um, um, and I had so many calls when the market went down from people going, I want to invest. Mm. And it was the reason why, and I, I could be wrong here, but a lot of them remember 2008 when that crash happened and everyone sat mm. on the sidelines oh. mm. and they went, I'm not getting in, I'm not getting mm. in. And they, they missed a great opportunity. Mm. Yeah. So I, I actually feel there's been a mindset shift, mm. particularly investors who've been around for a little while and experienced right. a few different dips and yeah. gone, this is a great opportunity. Mm. So your mind frame and the way that you view it is really important as well. Yeah. You do want some protection there because you don't want to lose money. Mm. But if you can diversify and think long term mm. and go, okay, market's down, great opportunity to buy those yeah. woolly shares at $8. Yeah. I'm mm. going to add to it mm. um, and I'm going to add to this particular stock and that particular stock. Mm. They'll just compound over time. Mm. There she goes again. See? Compound. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's been great talking to you, yeah. um, so Emma, much. because what I'd like to say is here's a girl who in year 12 was doing papers on superannuation and compulsory super. Yeah. And here's somebody who, and she said she loved it, loved I it. I loved it. And then here's somebody who loves doing spreadsheets and budgets and saving, but here's someone that we should be looking at and emulating. Absolutely. You know, and Such a role model. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and if you can do it, and I want to know next time we talk, Emma, mm. though, about whether or not your daughter um <laughs> how my experiment went. Yeah. Money. Oh. i want to know that but it may um, not it may not work but that's the thing is i think in anything that we do it's it is trial and error and mm. i the problem you have is never starting or never trying mm. something yeah. and i think sometimes it's just giving it a go i fall off the mm. wagon all the time mm. like, there are times where i spend more than i should mm. do or something mm pretty in a window I see and I oh, yeah, really we must all, have we've all been there. Pray, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's coming back to those principles and those values mm. and just and being disciplined mm. so and say you know once again back to that health and wellness thing it's like mm. it, you just gotta if you fall off the horse get back on and exactly. keep going mm. so true so good thank you so much Emma thank mm. you so much for having me our pleasure and we'll talk to you again soon thanks Your hosts this week were Maureen Jordan and Claire Osman. Thanks to Ixon for our intro music. See you next time.